The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. I've got Kyle Cravens with me here today. He is the principal owner and managing partner of Key Resource Group, which is a staffing firm for information technology and security. Kyle, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Greg. So this is a little bit different than some of the other episodes we've done beforehand and, and kind of continuing a unofficial streak. Like um, last week, we talked a little bit about enterprise risk management. The week before that, we talked a little bit about cyber insurance. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about staffing. So um, I'd love to hear your story about uh, how you got started and where you're at as far as IT and information security staffing. Sure. So I'm about uh, 15 years into this and um, have more recently launched out into my own with Key Resource Group. Um, in my journey, uh, worked really on all facets of information technology and just realized that uh, cybersecurity was something that was not going to diminish in demand. It was only going to grow and really was an enjoyable focus area. So that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay, and so you've you've been doing this for quite some time now. Yeah, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's that's really ranged from staff level up to you know CIO level or CISO level placements. Also done some placements in professional services, so mm-hmm. some cybersecurity risk management uh, companies that provide services. I've helped them fill out their leadership teams and roles like that. And you're based in, uh, I'm just looking at your, uh, your, your information here. You're based in uh, the South Walton area in Florida. Yeah. South Walton, 30A, Santa Rosa beach. Yep. Yeah. So From but, originally. Okay. And, but, but you're not just focused on that area. You're, you're nationwide. No, we work nationwide. That's correct. Okay. So, so mm-hmm. is that anywhere uh, near Fort, Fort Walton beach? Yeah. We're about 45 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, the, my, 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 Kind of Cliff Clavin moment here about my connection to that is that when I was in the Air Force Reserve, we were actually on a trip down to Florida and we were on the beach at Fort Walton Beach when um, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And little did I know at that point in time that that would start a journey for me because I was uh, participated in that Operation Desert Shield storm thing back over there. Absolutely. So you've got a rather unique perspective. Um, I think from the standpoint, we always talk a lot about in cybersecurity that, uh, and in information technology as well, that mm-hmm. it's so difficult to find staffing, to, to find, I, I don't know if just how much this is a problem. I know I, I see on LinkedIn all the time that people are saying, well, we've got a staffing crisis, but then I see also that there are folks that are saying that, I've been looking for a job in cybersecurity and IT for for months now, and I'm just not getting any traction. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, my my first gut reaction, unfiltered, is that the person who's looking that hard probably has some other things they need to resolve. It's it's something in their interviewing process, uh, something in their resume that's putting up a red flag for them, or they may have they may have uh, a background issue or something that's keeping them from getting hired, you know, or or their expectations of compensation can be off. I run into people sometimes who. Um, they, they are expecting too much for the number of years experience. And so they're either stagnated in the current position they're in or they're out of work and they're just holding out. Is there kind of a, 
standard formula for the positions that you're recruiting for as far as compensation goes? Compensation is the most tricky part of this whole business. Um, and it really is not one size fits all. I, it's a lot easier for me to tell a company what does not work than it is to tell them what they should pay. So I'll give you a for, for example. I talked to a uh, ISP company recently who shall remain unnamed. And um, they told me they wanted a level two security engineer. And I mean, this is someone who's really going to be architecting solutions. Um, and their their target point was 90,000. And I just like, guys, I can, you know, I said, well, how, how long has that been open? Well, it's been open for nine months. Okay, have you engaged any other recruiters? Yeah, we did. All they sent us was uh, analyst-level candidates. I said, well, sure, because you've got an analyst-level salary for this engineer position, so I'm not going to be able to do any different for you. And, and that's that's the reality. And that's that's one of the things, and that's, that's probably a, a point you run into is small to medium businesses are, are going to, and they're not a small to medium, but a lot of small to medium businesses are going to be priced out of some resources depending on what they've got budgeted. Well, and that's uh, one of the reasons why the industry of the virtual CISO, for example, exists. You do what you do, part of it, I yeah. do what I do. Yeah. And, and, and it, it does, it does help. There's a, there's, there's so much of an issue with regards to compensation, I think, on both sides. You probably also, I think you touched on this, too, that sometimes there's the unrealistic compensation expectations from the candidate as well, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the hotter the market gets, the harder it is to make a transaction happen. You would think that uh, as a recruiter, you want to be on the hottest thing. But my experience has shown that a lot more transactions, and I'd say hires, you know, in this case, occur when a market is correctly balanced. So there's proper demand and proper supply, but maybe there's a little bit more demand than there is supply. So obviously, someone like myself adds more value in that case. Um, but it's not just crazy hot. When things get too hot, uh, expectations get out of whack. And then eventually, things kind of self-correct. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the thing I look at, too, when I look at a candidate is if someone's changing jobs every year and a half, they're probably hopping jobs for money. And so one of the first things I do when I talk to, to, to people in the marketplace is I find out, hey, why are you open to, to make a move? If money can fix the problem, I probably don't want to talk to them uh, much longer. It's, you know, it's probably not the, the A-list person I'm really looking for if money is the main motivator. Well, what, is, what are some of the A-list qualities that you'd be looking for? Sure. You know, a passion for the work is the first thing. If somebody is continuously uh, going after their own education, if they enjoy networking with other professionals, they're part of some of the big, uh, you know, groups uh, and they're going to conferences. I mean, that's a good sign that they're really, truly interested in the work and they're growing. Um, you know, the reasons that people may want to make a change that I can typically help with is, hey, you know, the, the work-life balance is off where I'm at. They're, they're expecting too much or, you know, I'm in a difficult situation where they're not taking uh, the security recommendations that I have. And this is going to hurt my career if I stick around in this place because I can only help them. I can only take them as far as they want to go on the journey. Like those are good reasons to to make a move or to change, um, not generally, Hey, I can get five or $10,000 more if I, if I, you know, go and hop on this opportunity. So it, I, I try to be really ethical in what I'm doing and the fact that I'm not just trying to dangle shiny objects in front of people. I want to get to know people, find out what, what drives them and hopefully serve them when it's the right time. 
I, you know, I kind of like that because when, while you were talking about that A-list, I'm thinking of my, my past career and, and each one of the job leaps that I made and pretty much I fit into one of those A-list type categories. So even though I'm kind of out of that space, I'm, 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 please don't recruit me, right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think that that's uh, um, uh, uh, certainly something that folks need to understand. Now in writing, I do a little bit of writing on the side as well too, for authors, they talk about something called platform and platform basically is uh, distilled down simply is how you present yourself on the internet. And so a web page or social media and all of that for, for, for recruiting in IT and InfoSec is, is the social media presence uh, really important? I know you mentioned a little bit about like groups and such. Um, what, how important is that in the, um, in the desirability of a candidate? It's probably not that important to tell you the truth. Really the hard technical skills and the ability to come off as personable and someone that you'd want to work with in an interview process is a lot more important. I think when you start getting maybe to the CISO level, being a thought leader and a market expert could, could carry weight. When you're negotiating a you know six hundred thousand dollar a year comp package or something, I think you know it, it helps show that that you've got the fire, firepower that's worth it. Um, but you know anything I would say at director level or below, it's I don't think it's really that important. But I you know feel free to disagree. <laughs> no, no, no. I just that was yeah. a complete curiosity question. Yeah, there, absolutely. I, I had I had no idea about how that works. That's one of the reasons why I like doing this podcast because I get to talk with people who are smarter than me. So probably, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> probably, uh, probably for someone who's more engaged in the services business and they're trying to uh, they're trying to create the, the niche offering that they have and and show the value they can add. It's probably a lot more valuable than for the average candidate. Yeah. So. How has COVID affected the the overall recruiting market over the last two and a half years? Yeah, well, it's been good and bad. So <clears throat> the good thing is I'm not having as many conversations where I'm talking to someone saying, hey, I've got a great job in Atlanta, but you're in Tulsa. Um, would you be willing to take a look and move? You know, getting someone to reorient their life around an opportunity—it's got to—it's got to really make sense for that person. And and you know, there there's a lot more barriers to getting that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, if you're recruiting in Atlanta, there's probably plenty of talent there. But let's say you're recruiting in Tulsa. Let's reverse it, and you're trying to pull somebody out of a a bigger market to go to a smaller market. That's hard. You know, um, but what's been bad is honestly, it's been bad for compensation. Because now what's happening is you've got people who are in, uh, let's say they're in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they're competing for the same job that the guy is who's in San Jose, California, and they're both expecting to get paid around the same amount. Um, So sometimes the guy in South Carolina is getting paid way too much for the work. I mean, comparison to his market where he would have been. And sometimes the guy in California is either getting priced out or having to come down. So in some ways, over time, I think that'll equalize. But right now, um, I think that that the remote has too much of the market being remote has actually driven compensation way through the roof. Um, again, it's a good thing if you're, you know, it's a good thing for the industry in the sense that you're, you're getting to uh, grow. But it's a bad thing for companies that can't afford to offer those higher level packages 
So it's making it a little bit harder for some companies to stay competitive. Um, and as a recruiter, you know, I've got to be just on it because now, now I'm, I'm pulling from everywhere, but at the same time, they're advertising their jobs out there and they can pull candidates from anywhere too, you know, through more passive searches. So the talent pool in a sense got bigger, right? Mm -hmm. For a given job, but then candidates are getting, you know, more demanding and more, more picky about things because they've got more, they've got more options. So you kind of get into a point where, you know, you're, you're for the hiring company too, your job can be white noise. And so it's helpful to have a partner such as like what I do, who has relationships built, who can go to people and say, Hey, I think you ought to take a look at this one. Here's the work they're doing. Here's why this is a great opportunity. Let me know what you think. Because again, there's just so much noise. And the whole remote um, environment now, I think also has created a, a, another flip side, unintended consequence, if you will. I like your opinion on that is uh, just to use an example I have a colleague out on the West Coast that they, for whatever business reasons they have, they don't want someone hybrid or remote only. They want someone who's going to be on site in InfoSec. And they're having a hard time recruiting hard for time that because them. Yeah. what are your what are your thoughts and suggestions for for businesses that are that absolutely need to have somebody on site? Yeah, I think I think a hybrid is, is a good option. You know, it's going to be at a certain career level, it's going to be hard to get five days a week on site in this market. But if you're willing to wait, it might not be a problem. Or, you know, if they're willing to offer um, an incentive of some other kind, such as, hey, we're going to help you get this certification or we're going to do this for you. You know, not uh, not all benefits are lifestyle driven. There can be some professional incentives as well. Um, yeah, it's 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 challenging for sure. But but I've seen I've seen the hybrid, you know, three days on to 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 remote that that generally works. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. I always like to ask folks about what their drivers are for what they do, why they do what they do. And I know you and I have talked a little bit about this beforehand and that for both of us, we share a common component about our faith being a major driver. I've been very open about mine how I started in the industry. In fact, my first episode of this podcast is actually a rehashed um, uh, a video that I did at uh, a uh, business leaders, Christian business leaders conference back in uh, November, I think of 2017. Um, I, I titled the episode Genesis, by the way, I thought that was pretty original, not, <laughs> but but uh, faith is a major driving force for, for me and in, in, in just everything. I think that if you have the heart of a servant, you're always going to be successful. I'd like to hear a little bit about your faith influence and in what you do and what makes you tick in the, in the business here. Absolutely. Well, that, that's definitely a huge driver for, for me as well. In fact, I was in a, I was in a job where um, I was well taken care of by the company and, you know, had great relationships, even had some incentives if they were to sell or when they sell that I would, you know, I mean, walk away with enough money to pay off a home or something like that, you know, a pretty, pretty nice little package and just something to where I had, I was comfortable, but I didn't feel like I was in the sweet spot of where, where God was leading me. And so I stepped out through, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to share these things because 
depending on where somebody's coming from and where their grid is, you know, it, I may say something that sounds totally whacking out there, but I mean, I mean, I literally had people come to me and say, Hey, I feel like you've been praying about starting a business and God says, you've got a green light. Like, I mean, people that didn't even know me that well. Uh, and I, as I was literally asking God, like, should I do this? Do I have a green light to do this? And so it was almost even in my exact words that this came back to me. And just, there was like a number of those experiences. So, you know, part of it, it was, I felt like if I stayed where I was at, I would, my family would be fine. They'd be taken care of, but I felt like God was challenging me to think beyond my family. And, and really, you know, one of the things is I have a, I have a giving fund set up with a group called uh, National Christian Foundation. And, you know, through that, you can write grants um, and, and also invest the money and grow it so that later you can write bigger grants. And, so I've got that set up. And so any, any um, revenue that I get in, you know, is going through there at least 10% off the top. And, um, you know, we support Hope International, which is a you know, microfinance group that works in uh, many nations and they, they help widows and you know, people that don't have access to opportunities to get, you know, their own little business started. And they also care for their souls and care for, you know, their, their personal development. And there's a group called Compassionate Hope Foundation that rescues people, you know, kids from, um, you know, sex trafficking and child soldiers. I mean, just crazy stuff that should never go on in the world. Right. And, but you, you can get somebody out of that, but then you've got to, you got to love them back to life and get them back to a place of wholeness and uh, healing. And so they do that work. And there's, there's some counseling ministries, adoption ministries, there's just different things that, that my family and I are passionate about. And so, you know, um, it's just, uh, just something that I feel like I can, I can do more financially as a business owner, but, you know, part of, part of it too is the people. I love working with people who have a need and building relationships long-term. I've met so many interesting people through the years um, and, and I, I enjoy that, you know, that's a driver for me is just the relationship side of it. And it's challenging. There's always different search assignments. So you learn and grow. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Wow. That's, that's an awesome testimony. It's like, we're, we're, I like to say, you know, we're, we're blessed to be a blessing and, and God Absolutely. tends to work through others to provide blessing. This isn't if it's somebody praise that they need like some extra funds or something suddenly like God uses his magical transporter and beams down a thousand dollars, you know, to their place. He uses his people to, to help with that. So I appreciate you you sharing that. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. It's a, it is a journey of faith. And I mean, even starting a business, even for somebody who would say, I'm not religious in any way, like it takes faith to start a business. It takes faith to put yourself out there, a certain amount of faith, just to, to have the hope that, that you're, you're going toward a good outcome. Cause it's challenging, you know, uh, it's not easy I, to go out there and develop the business, deliver the business, manage all the process. It takes a certain amount of grit and devotion. <laughs> I, I, you know, challenging is one word. Another one I, that I would say is, is scary. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, when I first started, I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I, I had good mentors. I had good, good folks that I could talk to people who were praying for me, people who were working with me and giving me advice. But ultimately when all is said and done, it came do down work. to yeah. being still scared, but putting putting the faith in the Lord. So, Absolutely. well, how you know uh, we we in information security? I always ask this question because, um, and I'm not sure if it's applicable here because information security can be really stressful. In fact, I just on LinkedIn uh, this morning, I I, I reshared a uh, article about um, stress in in information security professionals' lives. I think like 63% or something say that they're overstressed, which is not a good thing. It's not a good thing health-wise, 
um, production wise, spiritually wise. Yeah. How stressful is your field? <laughs> it can be very stressful. Yeah. So how do you how do you deal with the stress? Yeah, you know, you commit to the process. You you know that if you um, if you serve others well and you stay active enough and busy enough that the outcomes are going to go in your favor eventually. You also need to build in reserves financially, emotionally, spiritually, time-wise. You don't, you don't run wide open all the time. You know, you got to stay healthy. You got to exercise and start your days, you know, uh, I would say in prayer, but, you know, just, just having quiet, you know, quiet reflection. I mean, you just can't, you can't run wide open all the time, but you got to be really, intentional with the time you do have so that you can be effective. I think that's some, something in there is the key. <laughs> every, every morning, since you said, start your day in prayer, I, I have, I have done this enough now that it becomes, it's, it's even beyond a habit. It's just as, as natural as having the first cup of coffee in the morning. In fact, sure. with my first cup of coffee, I will do my daily Bible reading. Uh, we do at my church every year, we do a, a, you probably do something similar. These are the passages to read. And if you do this every day, you'll get, you'll you'll get through through the entire Bible in a year. And, and I've been doing that for several years now, but in, in the beginning, it used to be ah, something I got to do, something I got to do, just like anything, when you try to like develop a habit, but now it's like, what I find is that it centers me for the day. It reminds me of my purpose for the day. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with that. Well, you got to be, you got to be anchored to something too, that's not subject to fluctuations, right? I mean, you know, because in business, you've got all these highs and all these lows, you know, I mean, just last week, I was, you know, this close to a major deal that didn't work out. But then I know uh, this week, I've got another one that's really close. So it's just like, you know, when you decide that you're going to serve people well, you got to just be willing to ride the waves of all of that. So what, uh, what are your future plans? You, so you've been, you've been doing, uh, you've been independent now for about what, uh, eight months? Give or take? No, no, I'm much earlier into it. I'm like two months into it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, we've been talking about it. That's okay. No, it's been great. I've already got four or five customers and, you know, a bunch of searches. I mean, it's going, it's going fantastic. Um, but it's, you know, still a process to get it off the ground, but, uh, no, I mean, so I've been 15 years into recruiting. I'll finish out my career in recruiting. I don't have plans to do anything else, uh, professionally speaking. I think what I'd like to do with this firm is, you know, when you're when you're new into something, you're going to take work sometimes based on relationships. I mean, I've got a few searches right now that are outside of cyber. I really, as we go, I just want to continue narrowing in the plow, you know, and really focusing in this area. Um, you know, with that said, I do have a CMMC role and a cloud security role. So, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely playing in the market right now, but um, I'd like to really make this a first class, first name you think of company for cybersecurity recruiting. I'd love to build a team to support me. I've got a lot of uh, uh, outsourcing and automation and things right now, but I'd love to eventually have employees working uh, with me because I'd like to give people the same opportunity I had to come up and grow in this field because it's a great field to get into. Obviously, love to grow the giving fund I've talked about. Um, my wife and I are also we're um, certified uh, in something called Restoring the Foundations Ministry. It's a counseling healing type ministry that helps a lot of people. It's it's fantastic. And so, you know, as as I uh, mature the business, I'd like to be able to have a little bit more time to devote to that over the years, but um, those, those are the plans for now. 
So the website for a key resource group is krgnow.com. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you coming on. It's a great story and, and just great testimony and wish you the best of luck uh, going forward. Thank you so much, Greg. All right. And thanks to everybody else and stay secure. <laughs>